Hello, hello, uh, and good day. This is Byron McCauley, uh, your co-host of Hope Interrupted, the podcast. It is a pleasure to be back with you, and it's always a pleasure to be with my partner in crime, Mrs. Jennifer Mooney. Hi, Jen. How are you? Byron, you know what? I am. I, I have nothing to complain about. Life is good. I spent some time hiking this morning. There is nothing to complain about when you're on the trail. Oh man, I can I can only imagine right now. I was in the hot, hot heat of the Midwest today. Inside though, with a, with a nice seminar that we had today at work, so it was pretty cool to do that. And uh, and and now you know, kind of here we are. Our our second uh, our second job, which is to. Uh, our, do our favorite thing, which is to talk about uh, Hope Interrupted and talk about Hope Interrupted, the podcast. So I just want to say I am very excited about some of the things that I've been hearing this week. Uh, a couple of folks texted me and told me that they're going to recommend uh, our, our book, Hope Interrupted, to some of their friends. It resonated with them. And I don't want to just harp on it all the time, but it's just uh, it's 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 making me happy because what we wanted to do is have to, to have people to start these conversations. And that's what's happening. So that makes me happy. And I'm happy because we've learned some book groups who are starting to use the book in in Georgia, actually. Wonderful. So that's a good thing. Yeah, and we we've might... got one here in Ohio as well, Jennifer, that's starting to use it as a as a, as a group. So maybe even two. So that's exciting. So today we have a very special guest and Byron asked me how long I had known Curtis Akins. And I think it's been like 20 years. I met Curtis when he was a chef on TV food network and we were actually at a trade show in new Orleans. And I met him at a dinner at Emerald Lagasse's first restaurant. And we all had dinner together, Curtis and a bunch of famous chefs. And the next morning, I was walking the floor of the show, and someone picked me up and slung me over his shoulder and carried me across the floor. And I had on a dress that really wasn't appropriate for that sort of thing. But, <laughs> um, we got to be good friends. Um, Curtis was a TV chef told me what kind of perfume to wear that I wore for years until they stopped making that particular perfume and uh, got to be good friends with my husband, Don. And Curtis lives in uh, mostly in Northern California outside of San Francisco, but also um, sometimes in Conyers, Georgia, his hometown. And when our kids were young and they're all grown now, we used to spend time up there cooking and going to the beach together. And mm. I learned that Curtis learned to read when he was 26 years old, and we did a whole lot of work on literacy, and Curtis um, Curtis got to hang out with some pretty famous people around that, like, like uh, Barbara Bush. So we, we're excited to have Curtis on. We like to talk about Hope Interrupted, people who have turned their lives around and done good things when maybe it didn't seem in the cards and you you're a good example of that you're an incredibly dynamic person who um took the bull by the horn so welcome curtis well th thank you jennifer and and uh, byron thanks for having me on your show and i i get uh, happy sad feelings when i think about you know this beautiful woman that is my 
one of my dearest friends, Jennifer Mooney, happy <laughs> is because of all those great memories that flooded. And I do remember that. Remember the night at Emeralds? That's when Muhammad Ali was there. And uh, it was like this, when Ali stood up, Byron, to, to leave, everyone started to applaud, right? I mean, it's just, just erupting applause. Then he yeah. starts to walk out, and everyone is like a standing ovation for the champ. So wow. I'm, I'm sitting right in his line of, uh, uh, of his exit line, and, and I'm clapping like everyone else. And, and then about six or eight feet away from me, the champ starts to shadow box, coming towards me. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do if, if I pretend to box, he'll knock me out? You know, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just clapping my hands, and the champ comes up on me. It's like, you know, closer he gets, he's throwing punches faster and faster. And then he, he throws a punch at my face and stops right at my nose. Then he gives me, he's right. In my, I'm like, oh my God, I, I saw my life. And, and then he grabs me, gives me a beautiful hug, and he says, just a brother trying to pay the bills. And I laughed That's so wonderful. hard. I thought, <laughs> um, that was the night Jennifer and I met. And then the next day, like she said, uh, she actually picked me up. Yeah. her shoulder and, yeah. and my chef coat flew up and no, yeah. <laughs> we, we had some fun back in the day you know Brian. funny they were the house they were the house and on days oh my god it was the, oh, it was the 90s oh my yeah, lord man. it was it was yeah. it was incredible and and you talk about hope interrupted and you talk about hope for real um jennifer mooney and her family are my family, Brian. That's Byron. That's what I, I mean. They are they are my family. Um, the kids used to call me Uncle Curtis, and my boys used to refer to her as as Aunt Jennifer and Uncle Don. And um, I still one of my favorite pictures. I think it's in one of my cookbooks. The two girls, uh, Caroline and 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 um, Nora. Nora sitting at my sitting in my and I've got my arms around. This. It's in one of my books. And so those baby girls now grown women, beautiful grown women like your mom, are just near and dear to my heart. So, um, and Don, you know, Don can't cook. However, he taught me a good, no, I'm kidding. Don's a good cook. Don taught me, uh, share with me his recipe for grilled eggplant. And to this day, I prepare that for folks. And I have to give Don Mooney credit. Ah, it, it galls me to have to give a, a lawyer credit for anything. <laughs> he's oh my gosh That's it's funny, okay man. he's turned in he's turned into quite the cook yeah. and yeah. byron and i actually in the book we talk a fair amount about food because <laughs> we um it, and don's doctor told him a couple of years ago that he really needed to lose some weight and make some changes or he was going to be diabetic so i I put us on this eating program that our oldest Caroline, she's nutritionist kind of, and it dealt with taking out, Don had to stop eating, you know, his favorite Irish foods like potatoes, like rice, <laughs> rice is in uh, bread, all those carbs. And, and we went on this plan. So Don is like a skinny guy now eating a lot of salmon and green vegetables. Wow. And, and it's, it's, I mean, it, it was a good life change, but and Byron was on an eating program when we were writing the book. So food, food does come up. Food is a come huge up. part of this book. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. And so I, I've all, I've always um, loved um, cooking, um, grew up in the South. So uh, I was around a lot of people who cooked really great food. Louisiana, um, right? Right. That's right. That's As right. As we so. say, L.A., LA, right? <laughs> not <laughs> or if you're in, yeah, or, or if you're in South Alabama, it's LA, Lower L Alabama. But yeah, that's you're going uh, but so 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 you know, Curtis, when when Jennifer, you know, 
told told me we're, you were going to be our guest, you know, I was just so excited because well, I do you. love cooking. I do love eating. And in this period of time, especially like in COVID for the past year, right, it was easy for us to right. lose a little bit of control. I tried to maintain that. I did have an eating program and I've done well. But do, do you find, have you found in the, in the last year any, any particular challenges or differences that we sort of dealt with when here? It, when it comes Just with anywhere. the cooking. When, when, cooking well, and the eating. Other, other than the shortage. Also, I mean, during, the, during COVID, you know, I started working on other cuisines that I hadn't, hadn't played with before. Uh, much more Asian, like Chinese. Uh, uh, I've tried some Japanese cooking as well as some, uh, some Thai dishes. And I've gotten pretty proficient with them. So what it did for me is it helped me because learning is lifelong. As Jennifer mentioned earlier that I didn't learn to read till I was 26. However, I've been learning all my life and we still carry that on. And yeah. as a culinary professional, as a chef, I'm always trying to broaden my base. And it's interesting, we talk about food and the fact is that I shared with people back in the day before I knew I could read, before I learned to read, I had to work in a business that I could, could work at without being literate. Now that sounds strange coming from a chef when we create recipes and so on and so forth. Um, food was that business. One of the reasons I got into food business is because one, everyone has to eat. You may eat That's a little right. bit, you may eat a lot. If you're in the food world, there's always a job available if you're willing to work. So, um, and, and one of my shows at the Food Network was called uh, Pick Up the Day. And I would have different guests on. And Julia Child was a guest. Um, Paul Perdome. I'm trying to think. Um, I'm not sure if you all remember Patrick Clark probably the greatest African-American chef. Um, he worked at the White House. He worked at, um, uh, his last place was Tavern of the Green, wrote several books. His kids are still cooking. But and Patrick was on my show. And Marcus Samuelson, who's, who's doing it big time now, made his television debut on my show. And I used to ask chefs, black, white, male, female, do you have a program for apprentice? In other words, kids who can't afford to go to culinary school because, you know, this is an industry that black people started. This, the, the cooking business, the first chef at the White House was a black man, you know, mm -hmm. get the credit, right. Right? So, right? So I share with chefs when they come on my show is that we've got to make room for the child, the kid, the student, the person, the woman, the man who does not have $50,000 a year to go to culinary school. You know, um, that's right. So it's an industry that we've got to make room. So when it comes to food and cooking and and stretching those boundaries, so I'm I'm thankful that I get an opportunity on your show. You know, or when we talk about hope interrupted, there are so many kids that are being priced out of this incredible business because they can't afford to go get that culinary certificate. They can't go get that degree. So let's not interrupt people's hope mm. to get to work in this beautiful business, which is food. I. I was talking with a group last week, uh, Byron and Jennifer, that, and, and they asked me my, about my language of love. And I started laughing because my language of love is cooking for the people I care for. You know, um, so yes. I, I love speaking, speaking love through food. So anyway, I, I know I got a little off on the on the but it's still. Cooking during COVID. I broadened my horizons and I'll share with you all what happened with me during COVID. My COVID project was I took my iPhone and I started taking classes online, my little iPhone here. 
And yes. I, learned to, I learned to record, to edit, to upload to my YouTube channel, my own show. Wow. <laughs> so I started doing the Curtis Aikens cooking show from my kitchen and I loved it. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I learned a lot during COVID when it comes to, to food. I didn't learn to restrain as much as I'd like to. Yes. Eat a little more, but it was fun. So Curtis, where can we find the Curtis Aikens cooking show while we have Ooh. this little bit of an inter interlude? Okay. Well, we're going to pitch on, it a couple of times. Please. The YouTube channel is Curtis Aikens and my website is curtisakins.net. And then uh, Jennifer, you'd be proud of this, right? Because Jennifer and I work in that cable business. She, she was yes. with Time Warner way back when, when I had hair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't so remember I, that. I don't oh. remember that part. You don't remember? Oh, like, we've, been, we've been friends a long time. Um, <laughs> so on, on all the cable stations around the country, they have these access channels. That's right. So I have started tapping into local access and I'm giving my show. So if the folks in Cincinnati want my show, I'll send it to them and you can just plug it up on the local channel. Um, I was talking with Natalie Dupree, who's like the Southern Julia child, right? Last week. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. she goes, Curtis, I absolutely love your show. You know, she, so she's got a little access down there. So, yeah, you can Great. find it on local access in Atlanta and in San Francisco and out here. And I'm trying to get it on all the stations that are carried across the country free. There's no charge. Right. So, Wonderful. yeah. And, and the YouTube channel, of course, Curtis Aikens of is course. my YouTube channel. And that's A-I-K-E-N-S. You're the man. All right. All right. It's, oh, I should shut up and let you guys ask me questions. No, no, no. I, has a question. I, have, I have a question that, that sure. is going to throw you because it's totally off out of left field. I love those. But so I noticed Cole, your youngest. How old is Cole now? 26. Wow. Did I been? notice that Cole is a, a law enforce, in law enforcement? He graduated from Southern, not Southern, he graduated from um, uh, Limestone University, Limestone College, Nelson University, with a uh, criminal, excuse me, with honors, with a criminal justice degree and three uh, national championships, as well as an All-American. So proud daddy here. Congratulations, yes. Curtis. <laughs> Thank you very much. Congrats to him. But yes, he is with San Francisco Police Department. Very proud of him. And we have those conversations in our house all the time. A black man in a blue uniform. And when, when we all witnessed the murder of George Floyd, my son saw me in a different light because I've always been an advocate for justice. However, I've never been an activist. So when I got out and marched, he thought I, well, he interpreted as I was marching against him and his fellow police officers. And I said, son, that's not the case at all. I'm advocating for good police. I believe you are a good police. He goes, yes, I am. I said, I, I do believe in my heart that had you been there, that you would have stopped George Floyd from being killed. And he said to me, Dad, I sure hope I would have. He says, I believe I would have. However, we don't know to we're in that circumstance. He says, Dad, I want to be a great police officer. That's why I went in this business. So I said, son, I'm all for that. I, I we need great black police officers because this industry, this, 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 this business of policing was formed to bring people like you and me back to slavery. That's where cops came from. People don't realize this, this system of, of police in America. It was founded by slave owners wanting to bring men who have 
broken away from the industry of slavery, that's where cops came from. That's where police came from, to, to round up black people. And I don't think many people know that. I don't think yeah, as that's many right. people should know that that should. So Yeah, there's a slave, there's a, the, the law enforcement is based on uh, slave catchers. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So It's um, enforcement. It's law, enforcement. Enforcement, enforcement law of the current law, which slavery was the law of the land. So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I get very passionate when I talk about it. And I, I say to my son, and I talk, I said this to the chief of police in my town, Novato. I've shared it with Chief Scott, who's the chief of police in San Francisco. I've shared, shared with many mayors and a couple of governors. The fact is that I am not for abolishing the police departments. However, I am for better training. I am for better um, understanding. And that word serve and protect, we need to really emphasize those words, especially for people that look like me, that look like you, Byron. The police officers need to serve us as well as protect us. So um, it's it's that debate that's going on across our country and around our world. So I I love talking about this, Jennifer. Thank you for bringing it up. Well, it's it's interesting. We... um, Byron and I started writing the book on June 6th last year, and Byron and I have been in constant touch about a lot of things over the years. When when he was, uh, he, he was, and our audience knows, he was a journalist until September, where then he switched careers. So 25 years, Byron, is that right, 25 years? Yeah, give, give or take a few. I started my, my first job, uh, my first official journalism job was in 1985. So, yeah, that's a long time. So we started young man. He's (laughs) he's younger than he's a little younger than we are, Curtis, just a little. So he um, we started writing because we were both so incensed about the murder of George Floyd. And that's what I mean, we were in the pandemic. We were incensed. And then I noted and I've been meaning to ask you about this, but I know it's good for our audience to hear. I noted that that Cole, little Cole Akins, who, who I knew as a little, little, a, a, little a little guy, a, little, a cute little guy mm. running around on the beach with my daughters, um, had become, I'm not supposed to say, I don't think cop is the right word. Um, um, they say cop, you know, they, they say const- <laughs> constable on patrol. It's the British term. Um, I, I say police officer, um, but they refer to themselves as cops. So, um, just don't call me pig, he says. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> he didn't say that. Um, but yeah, so he's a police officer. Well, that's inspiring. I mean, honestly, yeah. it's inspiring because it's only my opinion, but I think what's happening in police departments across the country is starting to maybe change a little, but not enough and not fast enough. Right. Um, in Hamilton County, and I know you spent a lot of time in Cincinnati with Don and me, and oh, yeah. I lived there for years in Byron's there. We had on our show, Hamilton County has its first female gay married sheriff. Wow. Which, huge. Wow. I, I want she, to meet her. You would love her. She was on our show. I don't know. Was she about six or seven guests ago, Byron? I lose track. Her name's Charmaine yeah. So Charmaine actually, McGuffey, actually, yeah. She was, only, us, she was only four yeah. guests ago, believe it four or not. Four guests ago. <laughs> only she was four only... guests or not. Go. Yeah. And um, her name is Charmaine McGuffey, as Jennifer was saying. Um, she's been doing a, she, she, and, you know, it was, it was groundbreaking that, that Hamilton County, um, with its, you know, longstanding conservative reputation, 
um, would elect um, someone of wow. Charmaine's, um, I wouldn't say caliber because she's quite um, capable and more than capable. But with her, you know, personal life, that that so that seems wild. like that wouldn't have happened in, in a yeah. while. In a while, but yeah, she's I, definitely uh, so, up for it. I'm I'm plotting the Cincinnati area of Hamilton County. Wow, that's right. It's a book by I'm trying to think of the author's name. Um, uh, Burke. That and he uh, one of his characters. Edmund Burke. Uh, say again. Was it? Would it be Edmund Burke? No, no, no. Uh, uh, um, more popular book written More popular uh, book. Okay, got yeah. down in um down in Louisiana, uh, mm -hmm. James Lee Burke. James Lee yeah. Burke mm -hmm. is the is the author, and sure. one of his his characters is a probably fashioned after the sheriff. But anyway, uh, that's a story we'll tell off air, right? Okay. Um, it's yeah. it's interesting to think how um the world is changing. I hope for the better. Right. And I think about our kids, Jennifer, and you had one that worked in the White House. Uh, you know, um, we've our babies are changing the world. And right. I think about Cole. This boy, I want to write a book about him. Uh, his mom has blonde hair, blue eyes. His daddy is a bald black man from Atlanta. Right. Yes. My ancestors. Our last name is Aikens from Aiken, South Carolina. We were brought over and sold in that square. And my the square that is Conyers, Georgia, our slave owned ancestors. Um, and now to see my beautiful boy become a police officer and his 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 mantra is I want to save and help as many people as possible. I want to serve and help as many people as possible. Um, so I'm so proud of him. In high school, he broke his back uh, because he had always wanted to serve in the military. And he couldn't pass the physical. So to prove everyone wrong, he goes down to South Carolina, 3,000 miles from home, changes his whole body style from his pudgy little boy to becoming an all-American athlete. And he's just, he is one of my inspirations. Both of my children are. Junior and I don't have the relationship that Cole and I would have. However, I'm so proud of my oldest. He's a musician that's traveling the world playing music. Um, and he's so much like his dad. Maybe that's why we don't get along. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's the truth. He, we, we butt heads, right? Um, so, for the parents listening and/or the children listening, you know, the life you're living is yours, and do the best you can with what you have. Um, I had lunch with a, with a friend's child today. Another young man who has become a beautiful human being, right? And it's funny to take our, like if, if, if I saw Nora and, and Caroline and take them to lunch, and it would be strange to see those two beautiful babies that I still think of having a glass of wine or a beer, right? So I, this one, go ahead, Jennifer, you think? I'm just gonna, so Byron's got three daughters. They're a little younger than mine and yours. Right? You've got your two sons. I've got my two daughters and my two stepdaughters. And these kids, and we talk about this a lot. Byron and I talk. These these kids are the ones running the world. They these are kids are the future. Are. It's, not are. A, it's not us. It's not us. It's how they we are. raise them. It's how, how we raise them. them. Yeah. I'm, I'm applauding to that, Jennifer. And so I take this. I, I I call this child up, and and Jennifer knows me. I mean, if if Byron, if I met your girls, you know, when they were little, like Jennifer's, 
kids still call me, hey, Uncle Curtis. I mean, white kids, black kids, kids, Native American children call me Uncle Curtis, and I give them advice, right? So I'm taking, I'm taking this young man out to lunch today because he's a creative person, and I want him to take a look at my show. And he orders a beer. And I'm looking at it, and my first thought is, you can't be old enough to drink a beer. <laughs> Correct. I don't think myself, my God, you are. You are old enough. So it's just, it's funny to think about how this beautiful life that we're living, you know? I mean, we've yeah. become that senior generation. It's, we have. I don't, I don't want to be that yet. <laughs> I, I, I know. I still got some hell to raise. You know what? I know. You know what, though? We're all still here. Yes. We're still, yeah. we're still here and we raised good kids. Yes. Yes. And um, my Norris, my daughter, my Norris husband, and that's another long story. Um, Norris' husband said that Nora is afraid to read our book because of what I might have said about her. <laughs> and, um, I'm laughing. This is this is. I mean, this is the world. This is the world we're living in. So yeah. I want to ask you something else. Speaking of changing the world. Um, so I guess this might be a spoiler alert. Um, you're talking about running for public office. And yeah. so talk to us about that. What are you thinking well, about running for? Well, it, it's it's interesting. Out here in Marin County, I, I live in Marin County, um, uh, Byron. It's about just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, come to that beautiful tunnel, the Robin Williams Tunnel is named now. And Sausalito, Tiburon, Mill Valley, San Rafael, Novato is the town I live in. And I love it out here. I love it. So since the, since George Floyd's murder, I've gotten really, I've always been an, an advocate. Uh, now, the last year or so, I've become more of an activist. And in that true Angela Davis vein, in that true, you know, um, <laughs> there's a lot of people that we, and, and I'm, I'm in the, I've, I've walked away from a race and equity meeting to join you all. And just before coming on the call, I met with the, county supervisor who says she's not going to run if that gives you a hint one of the right. county supervisors and several people have asked me if i'd be interested in running and i said well i hadn't thought about it however after meeting with her i'm starting to think about it a lot more mm. um, and i think about we think about equity whether it's racial sexual whatever equity is we need to try to find a, find more equity for people who don't have those that that have been run out of in areas. Um, right now, when I see all the crime against Asian Americans, it breaks my heart. I was um, I was down in Peso Robles a couple of weeks ago and had a chance to visit the site where James Dean had his tragic accident. Tragic accident, and I was I was struck to my core when I read this beautiful plaque that a Japanese artist created for James Dean, who was only 24 when he died. I didn't realize that, right? That James Dean, this actor who had so much promise. And, and I learned so much more, you know, you, you, get, you get inspired when you see something. It makes, I hope it, it allows us to dig deeper and learn more about how, what a human James Dean, this 21 year old, this 24 year old kid was when he died and how many people he affected. I hope Curtis Akins can be that kind of person. I hope that my work with the race and equity groups here, and if I decide to run for public office, I can be about helping people and not about helping self. 
Um, you know, Curtis, it's so interesting that you were bringing that up. I, I, I conducted, I helped conduct a, a race equity, uh, well, a diversity equity inclusion meeting today. And we, so one, it was someone, well, one of the, the moderators talked about the picture with the, with the tall person, the less tall person the, and yes. the least tall person uh, looking over a fence. Right. right. And, and, the, and the least tall person having a box to make him equal with the tallest person yes. and the less tall person having a box to make him equal with the tallest person. Right. And that's equity. Um, <laughs> but, but then, you know, inclusion, completely inclusion would be removing the, the fence altogether. So all of them can see the game. Amen. Well, well said. I, I love that Byron. It's, you know, that's one of the tools that we've used in some of our meetings. And right now what we are, we, we talk about the history in this country where women couldn't buy a home, women couldn't have a vote, where African-Americans couldn't buy a home, where black people couldn't buy a home, where others, if you were not a white man, you could not own property. And those practices were called redlining and or uh, restricted covenants in, in home ownership. So, and it's hard to believe that in the year 2021, those covenants are still on certain deeds around the country. I it galls me to think about those covenants, those restricted covenants being on people's property. And if that doesn't anger someone, I wonder where their humanity is. Mm -hmm. Well, and we came, listen, and we do get, we try to say we're not going to get too political on our show and in our book, but the truth of the matter is we do sometimes. The reality is we came close in this last election to Oh, a yeah. world that we were not going to recognize that had gone so far backwards yeah. in time. Yeah. And there's still over 70 million people who, yeah. right. And that, that, that's the truth. And there are folks well, still, I don't think we're locked into um, the Biden Harris, perfect America. I love right. them, but I'm afraid that I'm afraid what's going to happen next election. Well, it's, it, this, that's a great thought. And again, I, I'm like you, I've always been, you know, I have to feed people, whether you're from a red state or a blue state. You know, I'm a chef. My job is to feed you. You come to my restaurant and I don't, uh, you know, you don't eat something that's on my menu. Let me know so I can prepare something that you can eat. That's that's the way I believe. So here we are in this in this world of two sides. You know, that's the way it seems like it's going. However, the truth is there aren't just two sides. There's a whole lot of area in the middle there that we can unite around. And that's the part I want to be in. So I say to people, it's like, OK, if we we need to educate, we need people to understand, like you were saying with the, the box, the tall person, the less tall and the even the even less tall person. We put them on a box so they can all see over the fence. However, the world would be much better if there were no fences. You know, right. the game is That's totally. Right. So, again, I, I think like what I'm to do in this committee, we need to put we were supposed to put forth recommendations that help bring about racial equity in this beautiful county. If redlining forced, let's say, 100 people to leave Marin County, we need to reverse the effects of redlining, you know, vis-a-vis helping black people come back to Marin County. If we need to give them monies to buy a home, whatever it is, 
the same thing I feel could happen across the country. It's like, okay, I'm not asking for something that I don't deserve, you know? However, and I love America. People talk about, I, I love the country. I've traveled the world like both of you have. There's no place on this planet like the place we call home, you know? That's right. And, and that being said, we look at this beautiful country, and I feel very strongly that of a lot of the things that were done to build this country, in other words, on the backs of black people, the infrastructure of this country was built on the backs of free labor. So any person of African descent that was born in this country is owed something for the foundations that, we were, that we're standing on. Now, you take that farther. On the West Coast, all the Asian Americans that were brought over here and paid a penny on the $1,000 kind of thing, right? They should be helped brought back up to equity. Now, again, these are my opinions. I am not a politician yet. <laughs> However, you know, it's, it's time we did that, you know? Black kids, and I talked about this with a group a couple of weeks ago. We talk about education in this country. <clears throat> and 50 years ago, in certain parts of this beautiful country, it was illegal to teach a person that looked like me. You couldn't teach me to read or write. That's why so many children of color in this country are four, five, and some kids seven years behind in their reading levels is because we were not adequately taught in that developmental stage. So these, those things need to be, be switched around. So um, again, that's my opinion and I'm sticking to it because it comes from an informed area. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Curtis, Curtis, you know, we could go, we could go on for, for, uh, for so many more minutes here. Uh, we are, we are uh, sort of winding down, but I, I wanna thank you. And it's My a pleasure. Pleasure, to, pleasure to get to know you here. Well, Usually we end um, all of our uh, podcasts with, with something we call a hopeful moment. Ooh, right? I love that. Uh, and today's hopeful moment is gonna be brought to us by Jennifer because she, she, has, uh, she has something that I think will inspire us. Before you get there, can I share one thing, Byron? Absolutely. I love Jennifer Mooney. So I, have, so I have from the moment I met her, bro. I mean, it's and her family. And 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 Don knows this that that Jennifer and I have this friendship that is like brother sister. You know what I'm saying? And yes, I've never Jennifer, met. Jennifer says brother from another mother. Amen. Hey, she stole that from me. You know that, right? Yes. I, yeah. <laughs> now I do. I and, do. And I, I, I say. Great. I say, different mama, different daddy, same father. Word? Same father. I hear you. So thank you all for letting me be on the show and I hope I get to come back. You will Definitely. get, well, listen, we, there, the subjects between young Cole and you running for office and food, it's all, I mean, we could, and we will be happy to have you back. We do. Cause we got to talk about food deserts next time. Well, Let's and we, it. we, I mean, our audience likes to talk about food. So that's, I mean, that's great. So in terms of the hopeful moment, usually we, talk about something that we've read in the paper or something that's happened in the world. And this is going to start off as a hopeful moment and then sound like a political speech, but I'm going to do it today because I feel really strongly about this. This has not just been in one news story. It's been in thousands of news stories. Our country 
has a lot of vaccines. We have an abundance of vaccines. Anyone can get vaccinated, but a lot of people aren't. And there are now new variants, Delta, and they're talking about one behind that. People are dying again. The pandemic is going to get on the rise again. And I'm going to say from me, and some people might not like this, if you're not vaccinated, you need to get vaccinated. I have a stepdaughter, Maureen, and um, you guys both know about Mo. She does work um, in the White House again. Uh, She has a kidney, had a kidney transplant, and they're not sure how well vaccinations uh, are working on people who are on drugs, anti-rejection drugs for organs. There are people out there who are trying to be healthy who, if others are not vaccinated, might get pretty sick. So I'm saying my hopeful moment is, yes, America, we've got the vaccines. Joe Biden did it. He's gotten this whole thing off the ground. I am. We are so blessed about that. Mm-hmm. But if if you live in the United States and you haven't gotten one, give us all hope and please go out there and get a vaccine. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for that hopeful moment. Curtis, once again, thank you for being our guest today on the Anytime. Hope Interrupted podcast. We look forward to having you back. Thank you. And all. we're going to, we're going to, so my godson, Starstream the Giant, is going to take us out. See you next week.